Welcome to On Texas Football. It's Saturday morning. I've got Paul Waddlington here alongside me, Paul of InsideTexas.com. Uh, Paul, welcome in. Uh, glad you're joining me. We got a couple things we're going to talk about today. We want to talk a little bit about uh, some our folks over, our friends over in College Station doing something that only Aggies can do. Uh, and then second, secondly, what we want to talk about uh, really is a, a macro look at what positions we think Texas needs to look at from a recruiting perspective, not this year, but the 2024 class. And, and well, I guess that is this year from a recruiting perspective. But my point being, as it relates to going into the SEC, where Texas may be strong, where Texas may be a little bit weak. Uh, welcome in, Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, are, are we going to include a little portal talk with that recruiting as well? Yes. Okay. That's, that's the whole idea is that I think that they're going to have to go portal in so, a couple of places. Bobby, I didn't want to say I wore red and black because that's what I'm going to wear when Texas plays Texas Tech. We're going to have a red and blackout. Is that how Matt, you do it? Matt, our producer, is with us this morning. Matt, can you put that? Can you put the tweet up that, that Paul and I had a chuckle out of? So Texas A&M, our friends at College Station, uh, we're showing on the screen now for those that are listening via podcast. Texas A&M in their uh, most intelligent of form is, has created a maroon out uh, <laughs> at, for the stadium for their November 11th matchup with Mississippi State. Well, if you happen to know anything about college football, you know that not only is Texas A&M maroon, but so are the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And so is this going to be a home game effectively for Mississippi State, Paul? That's my question. I think the Aggies should also all do cowbells <laughs> to really intimidate Mississippi State. This this is the equivalent of hosting LSU and telling everyone to dress in their best safari and tiger outfit. <laughs> so, it's, it's the most Aggie thing in the world. And I just love Aggies, man. They're great. <laughs> it can be the gift that keeps on giving, right? Um, you, you know, I, I read somewhere, oh, well, we want to make them. We're friendly. You just weren't thinking. Don't know. You can't have thought this through and still thought this was a good idea. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not humanly possible, right? It's it's a gift that keeps on giving. I, I thought that um, I thought when they were being besieged by bats. Do you remember that when they were <laughs> when they were having the bat problems and and you, they sent out the thing where you could text your bat problems and of course a bunch of Texas fans got the text and started sending in smart-ass messages about being attacked by vampires and stuff. Just Aggies can't get out of their way sometimes, and I'm I'm looking forward and also dreading being reunited with these lunatics uh, next year. <laughs> well, I am – I wouldn't call them lunatics. I, I actually – I'm one of those guys that, that feels like uh, A&M is, is, a, is a place where we got to – got everybody's got to step up and uh, try to play their best the day after Thanksgiving because uh, that really matters. Uh, I grew up in that, and – uh, wanted that to be a part of uh, my life uh, growing up and want it still to be that way. Uh, so while we can poke fun of them, there's also another element of that uh, that we need to be able to respect them whenever it comes time to get on the field with them uh, in 2024. All right, Paul, let's let's talk a little bit more now about what you and I really want to get into uh, today. And that's a macro look at what Texas needs to do as it gets into the uh, uh as it gets into the SEC. 
Uh, and I talked at length with both Jerry and Justin, some with Eric even this week about how many different position spots Texas would take in this recruiting class. Uh, the problem I have is that you can't really expect recruits to be immediate impact players at certain positions, right? Uh, yes, you have to develop some guys and some guys will come on. But most of these guys in positions, we know right now, Texas may either be strong next year in 2024 or they may be weak. If they're weak, what do, what do they need to do to address those weaknesses and how? So start with what you think will be the strength of the team in 2024 that Texas has already probably adequately addressed at this point. Sure. We'll just, we'll just alternate here. I'll, yeah. I'll take you know, the offensive line should be a strength in 2024. In fact, they should be potentially dominant if, if development and everything else comes along, uh, including this, this younger crop that just came in. If they can, they didn't quite, they're not quite as ballyhooed as the Kelvin Banks, DJ Campbell bunch. But if those guys develop and it looks pretty clear, they're going to develop and the guys behind them develop, you're going to have a legitimate two deep. I mean, 10 dudes that you're happy to put out on a football field. And if you can do that at the college football level with your offensive line, man, you're cooking with gas. You, you might as well pencil in a nine, a nine win floor on your football team. If your offensive line is, is that good across the board. Let me ask you this about the offensive line. You use the term dominant. Are there, because the defensive line is so good in the SEC, Yep. are there truly any dominant offensive lines in the SEC? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think dominant also gets redefined. We think of dominance, you know, probably in our era, Bobby, growing up, if you're just mashing people in the running game. Well, if your quarterback drops back to pass and he's got four seconds in a clean pocket and he's surveying the field like a like a surveyor, uh, you're dominating. Uh, you're you're getting it done and you're you're creating offense. And so I think a lot of it is is having a dominant offensive line nowadays isn't necessarily that you're pummeling the defense on every down and grinding them down. I think it's more that you're denying the defense of negative plays whether in the running game, you know, sacks, tackles for losses. And the fact is, in modern defense and in modern offense, if you can't inflict negative plays on the offense, offenses nowadays are skilled enough and good enough and, and the skill talent is good enough that they're going to put points up on the board and there's really not anything you can do about it. Uh, you know, even Georgia, as, as darn good as they were on defense in their national championship run the last two years, there's been teams that when they can block them up, they put some points up on the scoreboard. Go watch that Ohio State game. Yep. Uh, I think this is a good way to do it, by the way. I like you're going back and forth. I'll take another position that I think they're really well off at in 24, no matter whether Quinn Ewers goes pro or not, so long as they keep both Arch Manning and um, Malik Murphy, they will be very good at quarterback. I, th I think that – those two guys, even though they're young and won't have much experience, most likely, Paul, uh, they will have the capacity to be good enough to win in that league. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I also I think uh, Arch, <laughs> not, he's not a bust yet, Bobby. I, I don't know if uh, the, the, the one spring game against the first team D has determined his college career, but 
you know, Malik Murphy was a bit of a revelation. And when you factor in that he was a project to begin with, that was understood. And he actually hasn't gotten a lot of snaps. He hasn't gotten a lot of development because of some nagging injuries. For him to come in and look that confident, look that good, and boy, Bobby, I hate to keep saying this, he's just big and he's strong. And when a guy like that is in the pocket, standing strong, you're just not going to rattle him unless you get a clean shot. You know, all these this little chaff and flybys and guys grabbing a hand, he's just going to shake it off and step up in the pocket and, and gun it downfield. You know, Sark has been able to win with a variety of quarterbacks, but I know deep down in his heart, he fell in love with Carson Palmer early in his career. That big, big, strong guy who can see everything. He's not going to fade in the pocket. He's not going to fold in the pocket. And he's got the gun, and he'll step up in there and deliver the ball. And that just makes Sark really, really happy. And I think he sees some of that in Malik. Uh, so, yeah, we've got to keep him around, Bobby. That's the key. Uh, whatever you got to do to keep Malik Murphy around, you've got to sell him on the idea to, to hold off and understand that a great junior or senior year is enough uh, to get him in the NFL and fulfill all of his dreams. Should be good at running, good enough at running back as well, right? If Jonathan Brooks returns for his senior year, Cedric yeah, Baxter's there. Yeah, so I think you'll see the development of guys already on campus. Yeah. I, I just got to be honest. I, I've seen very good Texas teams where it was, was running back by committee. Uh, now, very talented running backs by committee often or complementary groups. But, you know, whether you're talking about Chris Samuels back in the day with Adrian Walker and those guys and, and Phil Brown, or updated to a young Jamal Charles and Ramonts Taylor and, and Selvin Young, you know, unless you're just really messing up your evaluations and just really screwing everything up, it's hard not to have an above average running back at least. And I think when Texas does it right, they're going to end up with a lot more Bijan Robinsons and Roshan Johnsons. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I feel like Texas has what it takes on campus at those positions. Beyond that, though, I start to get a little concerned. Mm -hmm. Not at corner. I'll start in the secondary on defense. Not at corner where I actually think they're in pretty good shape. They'll be probably losing their top two safeties in 2024, Jaron Thompson and Jalen Catalan. That means guys like B.J. Allen really have to come on. Uh, or Derek Williams, Warren Roberson, Austin Jordan. Those, gotta, those kind of guys have to prove that they actually – belong on the field yeah I think Derek Williams is going to be key and if if the developmental curve on him physically from what I've heard continues and the mental game catches up I mean this this guy's potentially a, a, a physical monster you know a, a 215 pound safety that can turn and run uh, with a wide receiver and you know is not shy about bringing contact Warren Roberson guys like that are going to be key you're absolutely right I also think Jelani McDonald, right now we've got him slated at nickel. I, I think he could potentially be dominant there if, if he pans out the way we think. Don't be surprised if he gets moved to safety. I think he's got the traits to excel there as well. When you've got great side-to-side -side lateral movement, you love to strike, which he does, and you're every bit of 6'2", 200 pounds with really long arms, man, that's a guy I, I want running around at safety. So uh, I think we'll, we'll see what's going to happen with him. Also, you know, we're talking strictly recruiting. Let's let's not neglect the idea that the portal obviously is going to be used to fill some of these holes. And, and that's where I think this next position comes in, Bobby, going back to offense. 
tight end. I think Texas has to go get a portal tight end. Uh, you know, go like let's start doing our scouting on Iowa and Notre Dame's uh, too deep right now, and and go find their freshmen that they're developing or, or whoever. But uh, I think we've got to get someone to replace Jatavian Sanders. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting the guys that we have on campus or or all that. I just don't think that they're the type of one A tight end that you're going to want to integrate in your offense who really represents a threat, uh, not only as a receiver, but a blocker. I, I want a complete tight end in this offense every year. And I know there are college teams who seem to have that every year. Uh, and I think we want to get in that mix and, and be one of those teams. Um, you know, Georgia didn't have a great reputation per se as a tight end school. Uh, and, you know, they had two one elite tight end and one very, very, very good tight end on the same team last year. So we need to get into that uh, sort of rare air and we need to go get a guy in the portal. I agree with you. Uh, I think that they need, they need an adult uh, because Gunnar Helm, I think he's going to be a plausible tight end long-term yeah. uh, may even see, I mean, he, he's going to have a chance to play in the league if he just keeps developing, but he's not a one, a tight end. He's not a pass catching mismatch. Um, and so I, I completely agree with that. How about this one? This is the one that, that gets me to linebacker. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. They took a number of guys this past year, but are they going to be – Is it, Anthony Hill may be ready in 2024, just from early signs. He may be ready 2023 in some respects. But you start talking about Leong Lafau, uh, possibly uh, guys like Tassili Akana, um, Samaje Burrell. Are they going to be ready for the SEC power run game when Jalen Ford goes pro? up the middle that that's a concern for me right now that may be you know a third year linebacker that has two years starting might might fix via the portal i i share your concern i actually think we've got a lot riding on lafau and i think he might come through for us i also um think that ultimately the way you stop the power run game is at the point of attack it's with your defensive line you've got to just have studs up front and you've got to have one guy who's just a, well, we like to keep this PG, but let's say a, a mother trucker inside who just can't be handled. Uh, Georgia always has that guy. Uh, Alabama has had that guy. They haven't had that guy in a while. I think that guy may be actually coming up. They've got some young guys that I think they're going to be really good. 
uh, as, perhaps as early as next year. But the way you stop that power run game and its tracks is with those guys on the D-line. And then you need a diagnostician at linebacker who can get in the right spot, fill the right hole, isn't going to be chasing ghosts, and he's a reliable tackler. So I think I think we have the potential there. Again, not to make the portal the magic cure for everything, but I think when Texas is in the SEC, I think if we have the gear that we think we're going to have this year, I think we're going to have an interesting story to tell to a traditional linebacker to replace a Jalen Ford. Um, I don't know if you've noticed in the offseason, but LSU – to compliment Harold Perkins, went and got Spates from Oregon State. And for those of you who are not watching a lot of Beaver football, you can be excused, but I, I am enough of a lunatic that I have watched Oregon State. And he is a very good traditional off-the-ball linebacker in the mold of a Jalen Ford. He is going to be a difference maker for that LSU team this year because they have a good defensive line. I think you're going to see that defense – potentially be a top 10 defense simply from his addition and then Harold Perkins, you know, maturing. So that's who Texas has to really go look for as well as develop our own natural recruiting pipeline. What about on the defensive line and at edge? Cause that's the one, those are the two positions that come so much into focus when you go to the sec. I think we've got the dudes. I think a lot of them are young and they're unproven. So the Jure Bledsoe's, the Sadir Mitchell's, uh, the, the book is not written on them yet, obviously. Um, they haven't played a snap of college football. And truthfully, they're not going to play a ton for us this year. They're going to play some. I think, I think you're going to see those guys, uh, as the year progresses, get some snaps and then you know, get a look. But you know, we've got a pretty good group of guys in front of them, and that's going to limit some of their playing opportunities. But that doesn't mean they're not good players and they're not going to develop uh, on their own, you know, off the field and just mature and gain weight and get stronger. So I think we've got some guys and potentially on the edge. I mean, I, I you know, I, I was a little frustrated with what I saw, frankly, in the spring game from some of the guys. You know, I, I wanted to see more from Jamon Tapp. I wanted to see more from some of those youngsters. But, you know, there's still some time for that light to, to turn on. But, you know, it's really TBD on that one. You know, I'm not going to say that, oh, we have this glaring weakness. What are we going to do? I just think we don't know yet. And I think as we progress through this season, we'll, we'll get a little better idea of what we got in those guys. Here's a worrisome for me. This last position I want to talk about wide receiver. I yes. mean, Texas could have three, lose three to the NFL in 2023, perhaps even four if Isaiah Nayor has a comeback year. Um, and all of a sudden they're just left with a couple of really young guys. And the thing that, that, that really hurts you with that is that the SEC's defenses, if they can man you up on the outside, you're hosed. Yeah. I mean, they'll just – that you won't get anything. Um, and so I, I'm a little concerned about receiver for 2024, not because the ones that are in the pipeline aren't good. Jontae Cook is good. DeAndre Moore is good. I just don't think they're old enough um, and experienced enough and physically ready for that kind of that kind of grind. Well, I'll, Bobby, I share this 100%. So tight end and wide receiver are my two top two concerns. And I think the answer for tight end is going to be the portal, ultimately. I think the answer partially for wide receiver is going to be the portal. I, I love Jonte Cook. I think DeAndre Moore will be good, too. Uh, I think he'll be steady at minimum. And then I think there's some interesting guys that are coming in uh, who you know nibble it just in terms of raw athleticism. You know, you, you sort of scheme up some specific plays for him. 
and you don't ask him to be this nuanced, you know, super sophisticated wide receiver. You just get him the ball in the space on the move and, and see what he can do. You know, let Jonte be our, our Xavier Worthy replacement. You got to go get a, a portal guy, at least one. And you know what? We've, show, we've shown the ability to go do that. Isaiah Nayor, A.D. Mitchell. Look, if Texas throws the ball the way I think they're going to throw the ball this year effectively, there's plenty, plenty to like about the University of Texas and coming and being the guy. Uh, or one of the guys in that passing offense, particularly out at X. You know, we're going to need a, a big dude, a big 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", guy who can stretch, who can run, who can go win balls. Uh, we need someone who can put some fear of God. Because as you said in the SEC, take South Carolina, okay? South Carolina Gamecocks, not exactly a team we necessarily keep up with. They were an above-average football team. Their defense wasn't very good. They had two NFL corners and, you know, so that puts some things in perspective of like, you know, a, a below average defense in the SEC had put two corners in the NFL and they were well-regarded quarters. Uh, you know, these are the dudes that pick six Tyler Buckner in the bowl game twice and then got another interception to, to do the trifecta. So I, I think that, you know, it's going to be a wake up. And I do think John T. Cook has a huge upside. I, I like what we've got on campus. We've got to hit that portal hard. We've got to sell it. And uh, historically, that is a position where very good players are available in the portal. Um, you know, you're not always going to find your solution at left tackle in the portal, or, you know, there might be one. But wide receiver, yeah, you seem to be able to find these dudes and, and dig them up. So uh, that's that's going to be an emphasis for us, no doubt, in 2024. Paul, I have another couple of questions that I want to finish up that topic. Uh, first, would you mind saying thank you to our advertiser for this show? Absolutely. His name's Gabe Winslow, 832-557-1095, Market Advantage. You can also reach him at mortgagesbygabe.com. I'm not going to read, read you the www part because I'm not that old, Bobby. But I am. <laughs> whether in 2023 or 2024, when you make one of the biggest financial decisions in your life, purchasing a house, you need to get the best on your side. Gabe is the best. This is a former National Merit Scholar, graduated UT in three years. He's got a law degree. He's been doing mortgages for 20 years. He operates at a level of sophistication much higher than your average mortgage broker. And I did get the question, Bobby, if Gabe is so smart, why did he graduate in three years? Why didn't he drag <laughs> it out to five? And that is a good point. So maybe Gabe isn't that smart, but he's real smart. Give him a call. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I wish I had those problems. I'll just put it that way. Um, Were you I, a six-year plan guy? No, 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 no. I was not. I was not. I Four and a half, baby. Four and a oh, half. I, I did the four and a half. I had a father who, God bless him, uh, paid for my tuition. Uh, if I wanted some extra spending cash, I had to go work, which was great. But I said to my dad, hey, I've got some extra hours to clean up. I'm, I'm going to be like six hours. I need to do another half year. And he said, awesome. I, I'm going to pay for four years of school. And I said, oh, well, there's going to be some – it's going to be four and a half. And he said – he just nodded at me and looked at me and I went message received. I'm going to go get another summer job. Thanks dad. <laughs> hey Paul, um, overall, uh, as they head into the sec, I'm, I'm trying to, what I'm really trying to get a, a gauge of, do you think Texas is fairly well situated for it above average situated or below average where like, how would you say that from a, like I mentioned at the very outset, a macro perspective. Any thoughts? 
I think we're pretty good to go. Uh, I mean, you know, we'd love to have 2004 Texas going into the SEC. Uh, we're going to have some holes, but yeah, you know, the SEC, I mean, look, I, I appreciate it's a higher level of athlete. I appreciate it's a higher level of play week to week. You know, when you watch Kansas State decimate Missouri, when you watch Kansas put 53 points on Arkansas in the bowl game and, and Arkansas put up 55, uh, like this isn't, we're not playing the NFL. It's not the NFL. I know people do the like, well, playing the SEC is like the NFL. No, like relax. The, just, you know, the New York Jets would beat the crap out of Alabama. Just everybody pump your brakes. So actually they really would now with Aaron Rodgers. I was, <laughs> I was trying to think of a bad team there. I messed it up. <laughs> Uh, but you know, look, it's going to be a step up. You're going to be facing higher level athletes. And I think the teams that are going to be on Texas's schedule are going to be really good. And, you know, there's not going to be a ton of breaks, but you know, Vanderbilt plays in the sec too. Like, you know, everyone pump the brakes a little bit. It's, it's not going to be a jihad every week. It just is a lot more intense and teams are coming to play. And, you know, there's not going to be any empty stadiums when Texas rolls into town. Um, just like there's not any empty seats in the stadium when Auburn comes to town. So I think that's going to be the step up. I also think you're going to have to have a change in mentality, right? Uh, the SEC is very, very physical. And I think Texas has to embrace that. I, not to say that Texas you know, hasn't had physical football teams, but they've got to get a little bit of an edge to them, a little bit of grit, and know that sometimes these games are just going to be a big fight and you just – it's going to be, be ugly. It's not going to be a how you draw it up on the whiteboard, Sark. And sometimes you just got to go out there and fight someone and the last man standing wins. And that's the SEC. Uh, that's Paul Wadlington of InsideTexas.com. Paul, thanks again so much for joining us. Uh, this has been the Saturday conversation. We've done it now several weeks in a row, Paul. I'm really enjoying it, bud. And uh, talk to you again next week, all right? Hey, likewise. Let's do it. All right. Have a good one.